Reinforce biblical values in your children with fun, hands-on activities from Focus on the Family's Clubhouse and Clubhouse Junior magazines. Kids love this entertaining magazine, filled with challenging puzzles and exciting stories all designed to help your children build good character and a strong foundation in God. To order your Focus on the Family magazine subscription to Clubhouse and Clubhouse Junior, please visit us at clubhousemagazine.ca. That's clubhousemagazine.ca. You know, we tend to see it in such broad strokes, like I need to make this major shift in my life and introduce a new thing that is talking to God, when really I think our life is one in the minutes. So what if there was one more minute today that you talk to God? Just one. That's Sarah Hagerty reminding us to draw close to God in those smaller moments. And she's our guest today on Focus on the Family. Your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. John, today we want to help people find their identity and value, not in what you do or accomplish. And that's hard. We're so label-oriented. You know, what do you do? That's what most of us guys ask each other. And I think a growing number of women do Mm -hmm. as well. What is it you do? What's your label? But what we really need as Christians to be focused on is uh, what are we in God? Where Mm -hmm. are we at in Christ Jesus? Uh, We want to remind you that God created you, he loves you, and he sees you even in the midst of the most mundane chores of life. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's there with us. And uh, it's easy for all of us to get caught up in a performance trap where we believe that success is measured by what we achieve, acquire, or produce. Mm -hmm. And uh, God desires so much more from us, and that is a relationship and a friendship with us. I'm so glad that God is a relationship God. That makes all the difference. Here, Focus, we want to be there for you. If today's broadcast touches you and you want to talk to somebody, we have counselors, we have resources and tools, of course, the book we're going to talk about today, and uh, they're here for you. All you have to do is call us. Mm-hmm. And our number is 800-A-FAMILY. You can also get trusted advice and resources at focusonthefamily.ca. Sarah Hagerty is the author of a couple of books, including Unseen, The Gift of Being Hidden in a World that Loves to be Noticed. And uh, she and her husband have six children. They live in the Kansas City area. Sarah, welcome back to Focus. Thank you for having me back. This is an interesting title, mm-hmm. Unseen, and uh, that is so true. We live in a culture, especially with social media mm-hmm. today, where everybody's clamoring for a little glimpse, a little uh, moment on the stage, mm-hmm. it seems like, yes. which has really dampened our manners, I think. you know, <laughs> The more radical we could be, the more outlandish we could be, the more we get noticed. And I think it's doing damage in the culture. But you know, many of us, maybe even all of us, have asked the question, is this all that there is? Yeah. You know, really, is this it? Go to work, raise a family, which has a lot of blessing in it, but there should be more. And I think the opening question is this kind of the path that you went down? Is this it, Lord? What happened for you? Well, I think for me, um, a lot of my journey in this was before social media was what it is now. Mm. So in some senses, I feel like this, what's worked its way into me matters even more now Mm. when we have so much access to being seen at any moment. But for me, early on in my 20s, when my friends were having babies and growing their families, and my husband and I were struggling with infertility, I remember going to a baby shower. I mean, this scenario happened several times. And just feeling like I, I might as well slink back into the corner because the stories that were being shared, the sisterhood of 
bonds formed over these birthing stories I just couldn't relate to. And I felt like my life, because it wasn't Mm. what all these other women's lives were, wasn't valuable. Mm. And so I I remember even driving home from one baby shower going, is this all there is? I'm not on the track that they're on. And I felt even then an invitation from God to find his eyes on me, that I could... Um, try really hard to be the thing that all these women were being or to make a life that mattered or had impact on the outside. Or I could hear that still small whisper that said, ask me what I think of you right now. You know, when I read your story, you were a producer. Yes. I wanted to ask you about that because so often that high production person is driving for acceptance, or maybe the Lord will love me more if I yes. work harder for Him. Talk me through that and how you manage that in your, you know, your college years and then out of college. Mm-hmm. You just seem like a high performer. Well, and I think I didn't actually step back and think God needs me to perform for Him in order that He would like me. I just kind of naturally saw Christianity as a treadmill that we just turn up and run harder and run faster. And I think that's a lot how the world is. And we tend to transpose what we see in the world on Christianity, especially in our early years. And so for me, I felt better when I was producing. And I felt better when I was producing before I knew Jesus, after I knew Jesus, still felt good to share the gospel with more people. And that's a good thing. I don't want people to hear, you know, be lazy. That's the goal. No, not at all. You want to be productive. Yes. But there can be a point at which it's harmful to you when you're making these things kind of if then. If I do all these things, then God will fill in the blank, love me more, appreciate me more, Mm -hmm. bless me more, whatever it might be. But that idea in the book grabbed me when you mentioned you felt at one point counseling Mm-hmm. teenagers that you were going through the rote mm-hmm. kind of delivery of it yes. and you're having I can relate to what you were experiencing because you're having like two conversations right <laughs> and yeah. you're going through Jesus loves you and he cares about you and in the back of your mind you're going I've said this to so many people I, am I just saying this or do I believe it do I mean it yes Speak I was, to in, that. in the back of my mind I was thinking I don't I don't know that I know this God that I'm telling this teenage girl about. What a moment. Oh, such a moment. How did you connect that? And then what did you do with it? I think it probably happened a few times before I started to go, this is dangerous. I am spreading the gospel that in my own private life behind closed doors doesn't feel real. The Bible is reading to me like a history book. This is a problem. Now, is that the description of burnout? I that think you're talking so. about? Is yeah. that a leading edge indicator that you're kind of I, I lost think, in? Yeah. And I think maybe even more than burnout, it could be just a um, a description of dryness on the inside that uh, the Bible doesn't read to us like a love letter, that it reads more like a text, um, you know, a history text, that our dialogue with God becomes more asking him for things than talking about the realities of our heart. Yes. That we want to spend more. I mean, now I didn't have a phone then because that was, you know, 15 years ago I had a phone, but not like we have access to a phone now. Now it would be when I'm picking up my phone to scroll through social media several times in a day when I have white space, that's kind of an indicator. What's going on that I don't actually want to talk to God? Or Mm. when something Mm. hard happens in my life and I find myself right away scrolling social media. Yeah. To me, that's the indicator. Something in my heart isn't really seeing him as tender towards me. Because if I saw him as tender, I'd want to talk to him right now. Well, and what you're describing is a symptom. Exactly. Right? The phone is a symptom. And the core problem is you're not choosing to connect with God. Exactly. I mean, that's the issue. And I think there's great mm-hmm. things that we can put in place now where we say, let's only use our phone at these times. But the reality is, even those 
measures don't address the inner issue, which is oftentimes we don't really believe the God of his word. Yeah, that's a good starting spot. That is that kind of where you started in that moment? You felt burned out, you were disconnected. Was that what happened for you? It was, and it was semi-unintentional. I, I actually did need to take a break from full-time ministry. My husband and I stepped back, and I started working at a boutique that sold French and Italian pottery. There were maybe like five people who went into that boutique in a day. <laughs> you said you had a, long, a lot of chance to, to pray and read. A lot right? of chance to pray and read. So I just had white space sort of given to me. And so I started bringing my Bible to work. And when I was being unproductive, not advancing the kingdom of God, asking God to see his eyes on me there was what was transformative. How did he reveal himself to you in that? I, you know, we talk in those terms, and sometimes people struggle with that tangible, God showed me this. Yeah. So how do you call it hidden moments. How did God fill those hidden moments for you and reveal himself to you? I think for me, initially, it was I started looking at the emotions of God's heart in Scripture. So I would read a verse like Psalm eighteen nineteen. He delivered me because he delighted in me with eyes that when most of the time I don't feel like he's delighting in me unless I'm productive. Boy, so many people feel that way. Oh, I mean, and we don't even realize we feel it. At the end of the day, how many of us feel really great when we've accomplished our task list? Well, what if we haven't? How does God see us? We haven't even created the task list. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And that it's so true. And I hope, I hope if you're in that spot, my goodness, Mm -hmm. I hope this is ministering to you. Sarah has such wisdom and uh, she's put this in her book, Unseen, The Gift of Being Hidden in a World that Loves to be Noticed. Mm -hmm. Sarah, let me go to that sub title where you're talking about that that universal craving to be seen. Mm-hmm. I mean, most human beings, not everyone, some introverts would say, I've never had that desire. <laughs> but, you know, there is that desire to be seen by God. Yes. Yeah. And how do you open up to God truly? I mean, there are people right now, we're hiding things. Oh, all the we time. We don't want to open up to God, maybe because of the shame. Yeah. How do we truly open our hearts to God? I think for me, it has been a paradigm shift in seeing that he wants to engage with me in conversation in the middle of my day. So if I can think a little bit different, even just tomorrow, I wake up and go, he wants to talk to me at three o'clock in the afternoon. Just introduce that thought. Then three o'clock comes and I'm changing the laundry and I go, he wants to talk to me. Psalm 139, 15, my frame was not hidden from you, God, when I was made in secret. I mean, Psalm 139 unpacks that his eyes are always on us every part of the day. So introducing the thought into my day that he wants to talk to me. Yeah. Maybe even just that simple thing. Then today I can add a two-minute conversation that isn't me just recalling a conversation or stressing over the things that I need to do or worrying about a kid, but saying for this two minutes, God, I'm actually just going to change the laundry and say, it's been a hard day. I like the vision of that. The idea of it, but the practicality seems unattainable. I like that. I appreciate that you said that. I think for me, the starting place has often been taking my raw emotion to God. And that feels a little less poetic and a little more real. Like (laughs) I am walking up the stairs, carrying a load of laundry, looking at the things that are in my hands going, we just washed these jeans yesterday and figuring out my kids got the system down. She puts the clothes right back in the laundry. It's easier than than folding and putting them away. And I'm grumpy and I'm going up the stairs going, I cannot believe I'm doing this every day and no one sees it. I'm feeling this in my heart. I know, I could feel it. Sarah, I got a confession. I do that sometimes too. (laughs) 
I put my clothes in the dirty clothes. It's easier. Yeah, maybe I'm replace sorry, it Jean. with my husband. <laughs> yeah. Puts his yeah. clothes because he doesn't want to put them away. And so then for me, it's right there going, God actually wants to have that thought. Like that, not even I need to stop complaining, which I think we can tend to placate ourselves with that. But instead, God wants to hear that from me. So I go, God, today feels really hard. But your word tells me that you search me and you know me. You know this moment right now. You know how hard this feels. You're near to me. How does a person talk to God? I mean, they may see themselves as Christian. I just want to make sure we're covering all the bases. But they're so inundated with stuff and the list and all that. Maybe they've even lost or never discovered how to really have a conversation with God. Yeah, how do you I, start there? That's a great question. I tend to think of it in terms of the closest relationship in my life, the person I feel the safest with. Well, God is thousands mm. of times safer than that person. Cool. That's my inroad. But then I also think, you know, we tend to see it in such broad strokes, like I need to make this major shift in my life and introduce a new thing that is talking to God. When really, I think our life is one in the minutes. So what if there was one more minute today that you talk to God? Just one. I like that. I like that challenge. You have a beautiful story about your daughter, Hope, and her performance at Mm -hmm. a dance recital. I can translate this being a father of two boys. I mean, it's it's Mm -hmm. the baseball practice or something like that. Tell that story and what it meant to you and what it meant to your daughter. Well, she was recently, we had recently adopted her from Uganda, and she was in a ballet class. And she is, by nature, just very graceful, and she's a dancer. But soon into the ballet performance, she started to get a few steps behind, and then a few more steps behind. And she's new enough to ballet and mechanical enough that she couldn't quite catch up. So she was still doing the routine just five, six, seven steps behind. And I'm watching her and thinking from all the different angles, knowing her teacher might be a little frustrated right now because it's a little bit distracting for the rest of the students. I'm thinking the other parents are going, Hope's not necessarily going to be the one who is going to challenge their daughter for the role next year. I mean, there's lots of things that people in the audience are thinking, and I'm looking at her going, there is so much story behind this kid who a year ago was on the streets of Uganda, and she is dancing Mm. on stage in a ballet leotard, and it was so beautiful to me. And then in that moment, I went, but to God, she's fire, she's wonder, she's beauty. I mean, I see one sliver of her life, and he looks at her and sees the whole of it. He sees who she's going to become. He sees hope at 50. He sees hope when she was born. And as I watched that, I went, that's how he is with me, too. Let me ask you this. When you share that story in this way, why do we have such a performance orientation about God's character? You know, I think we transpose on God our experience in the world. And this, to me, is the crux of it. I feel like my journey in finding God's eyes on me when no one was looking and no one was applauding, the times that were really frustrating because I wanted someone to cheer me on and I didn't feel like that person was there, only God was there. That for me was unraveling years, layers of understanding of God that did not line up with who he really is. Mm. And his word tells a different story, but I think so many times we approach his word already having half the story made up in our mind. Wow. Instead of going, nope, I'm going to come here and actually open the Bible, which is, this is a prayer I pray probably every week, and say, I barely know you, God. I have been a believer for 25 years. I barely know you. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. As families continue to self-isolate because of COVID-19, the need for the gospel of Jesus Christ is needed in our homes now more than ever. 
That's why Focus on the Family is providing a free four-week trial of the Adventures in Odyssey Club where families can listen to the full Odyssey library of over 800 episodes, daily devotions, and more. The sign-up process is easy and no credit card is required. In addition, we have just released a new online streaming service called Focus at Home. Focus at Home brings hours of biblically-based, family-friendly entertainment created by Focus on the Family. Movies and audio adventures, readings of best-selling children's books, biblical lessons straight from the Holy Land, and more. Best of all, this will be free of charge during the COVID-19 crisis. For more resources to help your family thrive in these uncertain times, please visit FocusOnTheFamily.ca. That's FocusOnTheFamily.ca. Imagine reaching into your pocket right now and finding an extra 20 bucks or checking your wallet and finding a nice 50 tucked inside. If you like the sound of this, join the thousands of people who are finding extra money every month through D.L. Deeks Insurance. Stop paying ridiculous rates for car insurance. Contact D.L. Deeks today and tell them you want to save your money. DeeksInsurance.ca. That's Deeks, D-E-E-K-S, insurance.ca. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. Sarah, I'm wondering about Nate, your husband. Mm -hmm. Uh, What's his approach to these concepts that you're sharing with us? Because there are a lot of guys that are like, "Uh, yeah, Come on, speak for the guys. Unburdening my heart to God, you know, transparency, that not so much, thanks. How how does Nate process this? I love that you asked that. He's actually considering writing the male version of this book. So, What does that look like? Well, for him, I mean, just practically speaking. It's a much thinner book. It actually really will be. (laughs) For him, it it maybe looks a little less poetic, but, you know, just a simple practice for him has been. Every time he takes a sip of coffee or gets a cup of coffee, I don't know if it's takes a sip or pours a cup. I actually don't monitor how much coffee he drinks in a day. That's probably a good thing. But kind of having that in place that he clears the cash, so to speak, of what's been in his mind and his heart and just has a quick dialogue with God. How do you see me right now? What do you think about me? Now, it's very different for a male because I think in some ways the heart language is not as natural and, and that's how God made us, right? But I think on the other hand, Man, I feel like watching him, he needs to know just as much as I do. He's a CEO of his company. He needs to know that when things are right now, they're in the middle of deploying a new project. And he's going, is this going to overwhelm my team? Are we going to have the finances to do it? And his private conversation with God is whether this fails or succeeds, God, how do you see me? Now, that's not a, I'm sorry, Sarah, I don't want to go too far down this road, but it's not a how am I doing, coach? question is not it, at or no. is it? yeah no it's not i mean for him it's been the same in some ways the same journey i think nate often says sarah i failed way more than you so i got on this journey a little earlier <laughs> but he just you know for him it is the same thing as looking at the word of god and going who are you as a father what does a tender father look like to a 40 year old man and how do i talk to you not so much how am i doing because he can do the how am i doing you know, he can do that. Well, I've got these numbers in the bank and I've got this many employees and I, he can do that. But the actual, okay, when this looks like it's failing, which has actually kind of been the entry point for his conversation with God. When something feels like it's failing, how do you see me? Sarah, in that regard, when uh, for the folks that may be just joining us, they missed the top of the program. We touched on some of this, but beyond just facing that spiritual burnout that we talked about, um, you faced uh, the challenges of infertility. You touched on mm-hmm. that. 
Um, I think also the death of your father happened yeah. and all in the same time. You then adopted, mm-hmm. uh, I think four of your mm-hmm. children are adopted. Mm-hmm. Because of that, I would imagine, that infertility and your yeah. husband started moving that direction. That is a lot right there. If, for someone listening saying, oh, yeah, she's got it all together. She talks oh, no. to God. <laughs> but that, that really provides the heart for you, that you have gone through hard stuff, yeah. you and your husband. Describe some of that emotion in there and taking that rawness to God, saying, God, why? I love you. Why did I not have children the same way all my friends were having children? Just those burdens. I'm so glad you brought that up. I mean, this is not something that's just a discipline that I've applied. This has come from a decade of really hard life where the things that I hoped for, the things that I dreamed, the plans that my husband and I had, pretty much in every way they fell apart. And multiple times when we thought this could not get any worse, the next day something terrible happened. I mean, we really felt like we were in a crucible for about a decade. And it was out of that time where I kept going, everything I desire is failing right now. Everything I want for my life feels like it's sand in my hands. I have it for a second and then it's gone. And it was in that time that I really started to feel the invitation of God to find out who he really was to the brokenhearted. And that finding him as near to the broken, first seeing myself as broken, going, my life is not working like I thought. I'm not producing like I thought. I'm not feeling the success of being a Christian in this world. So who are you to me? That is a profound question. I think one of the biggest mistakes we make, and we make it often here in the U.S., and I think Western civilization particularly, because we're so fixated on the external achievements that it blinds us to our internal failures, those things inside us Uh that are not healthy. Let me put it this way. When you look at suffering, of course, the Word of God says um, suffering leads to endurance, which leads to character, which leads to hope. Yes. But we as Christians run from suffering. And I was going to ask you in that 10 years that you're having infertility issues and your father passed away and all these other really hard things going on in your life, you learn so much in those moments. Would you exchange them for something easier? You know, I wouldn't. I'll tell you a story. The morning that we... So we actually had a heart for adoption long before we walked down the road or even knew that we would struggle with infertility. So we we really wanted to adopt. Post-adoption, it still had been 13 years, and we hadn't conceived a biological child. The morning that I found out that I was pregnant, when I told my husband his very first words, and this was not like a theological statement, this was just his guttural response, was, as the favor of God lifted from our lives. We had found so much fruit in pain. And honestly, both of us could say we fell in love with God when the outside parts of our life weren't working, that it felt almost like when our circumstances shift, and they did, they shifted. When they shifted, we went, who are you in a new place? Because we found you in suffering and you were so close. I mean, I at times felt like you are so close that I could feel your breath on my neck, God. You're that near to me when I feel like my world is falling apart. So yes, I would look back and go, thank you, God, for that. I would not change what we had. Yeah. And there's one of the nuggets out of the program. And if you're in that spot, again, we're here for you. I want to hit some practical points right at the end of the program here. Uh, You invite people to grow in wonder and friendship to God. I love that description. Uh, What does it look like, though, at a practical level? How do you grow in wonder with God? 
For me, it's just looked like slowing down a little bit and not slowing down in large chunks. I still think of life in minutes. So Mm -hmm. if I, you know, part of my run in the morning, I listen to a podcast usually. What if I just turn off my phone for 10 minutes? You're killing me. You have enough discipline to run? Okay. It's over now. (laughs) I know. Uh, It's the focus on the family podcast, right? I said practical (laughs) advice. Practical. Okay. Ignore the run. Think about your, my, I have a longer walk to the mailbox. Okay, there you and go. And on that walk to the mailbox, I can be listening to something on my phone or running over a task list in my mind, or I can go on this walk to the mailbox. I just want to see what you have outside for me, God. Wow. You know, just like our kids, right? Our yep. kids have wonder. They don't have to practice it. God, that is God inviting us to approach him like a little child. It's turning off the music in the car line and going, what's in the sky for me today, yeah. Lord? Like, what do you, you're, the heavens declare the glory of God. What do you have for me? You share that your family takes a weekly Sabbath and it's uh, hard for you to do as that high achiever. But why is it so difficult, especially now that you've got a better handle on God's desire for you to be resting in him? I think any of us who turn off our phone or turn off, I don't turn off my phone for the whole Sabbath, but any of us who don't do something for an hour of our life can attest to what it feels like to not be productive. And so every week there, I feel some of this angst of like, who am I when I'm not, I've got nothing to show for it, but a stack of books that I'm reading. Um, so Sabbath for me feel, does to some degree feel like a discipline because I really want to put myself in the position of going, God, your word tells me this. I think you like me when I'm not producing for you. Man, that should hit just about every person mm-hmm. because, again, mm-hmm. I think we're so geared that way, Sarah. Man, thank you for the beautiful reminder today that God sees us even in our mundane mm-hmm. laundry duties and the unimpressive moments of our lives. Um, in a minute, I want to ask you, though, the last question and and get your opinion on something. And uh, we'll just real quickly say you can get a copy of the book, Unseen, and a CD or a download of our conversation with Sarah at focusonthefamily.ca or call 800-A-FAMILY. And when you get in touch, please donate generously to support the work of Focus on the Family Canada. Sarah, here's the question as we close. Um, Speak to that person who wants to have the kind of friendship and closeness with God um, that you've described, but they pray and they don't feel like they hear anything. Mm -hmm. They don't feel that closeness. They're back at the beginning of your journey where you were feeling almost like those feelings of being fake. Yeah. So what do you say to that person right now? What can they do? I think I'd say two things. One, give yourself permission to get a little more honest with God. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to be grumpy. He actually welcomes that kind of dialogue, maybe even as your starting point. We don't need to put all Christianese on this to make ourselves feel like he's really enjoying us. The second thing I would say is the Psalms are a great place to start. I always say the Psalms are like lanes for our emotions. Mm. And so when I have been really stuck not knowing what he thinks about me, what I feel about him, I feel like the psalmists have given me language when I don't have it. Right. I like that because if you think of the Lord's heart for David, and of course yeah. David writing most of the psalms, that's a great place to go mm. to emulate yeah. David's heart for and God. And David, I mean, one of the most powerful psalms was written after like a horrendous sin. So take yeah. your big, messy heart to him, <laughs> just like David. What, that's what he wants to see. Great yeah. to have you with us. Thank you so much. Sarah Hegarty was our guest on this episode of Focus on the Family, and you can get a copy of her book, Unseen, and a CD of our conversation at focusonthefamily.ca or call 800, the letter A in the word family. And when you get in touch, please donate generously to support the work of Focus on the Family. 
And John, let me also mention, uh, we realize many families are struggling. I mean, there's something like 40 million people on unemployment right now, so we get that. At the same time, ministry continues here at Focus, and we want you to be part of it. I mean, that's that's the reality. And if you're in a position, if you're working and, and you can support the ministry, we need to hear from you now. A gift of $25, $50, something to help us continue to meet the needs of others. And uh, always uh, take care of your church family first. And after that, if you can support Focus on the Family Canada, we would deeply appreciate it. We need you now. Uh, Call today. Our number is 800, the letter A in the word family, or online you can donate and get resources like Sarah's book at focusonthefamily.ca. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.